Listen up, all you New York fans. Veteran New York sports talk host John Dostromsky gives his unique take on all the big stories in the Big Apple and beyond, including guest conversations, gambling picks, and reactions from you, the listener. Check out New York, New York with John Dostromsky on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? We're back. Another week, another R2C2. What's good, bro? Hey, this was two in one week, man. Yeah, man. Really working. Really yeah. working. Amin Al Hassan, I he was so fantastic on Star Wars the other day, man. Yeah, he's good, man. I I, I definitely um I'm gonna rewatch now. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna rewatch just because um, you know, the way he explains everything and you know, I feel like I can get Carter back into it a little more. Yeah. Um, maybe I can get Saya into it, but nah, he was good. He's I mean, I can listen to him talk the whole time. I get like locked in <laughs> where I forget to ask questions because I'm just listening to him talk. I feel the same way, man. It's just like I feel like I'm getting this awesome Star Wars tutorial and I love it. It's so great. He's uh, it, it feels he's like awesome. it feels like he's talking to us like we I've never watched it before. Yeah, yeah. You know what exactly, I'm saying? Like exactly. so like he breaks it down so good, even to a guy that's, you know, watched everything. So it's, it's uh, dope. It's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, I did tweet out, people had asked about what he said about uh, the end of uh, Clone Wars and then Revenge of the Sith and, like, the way it's kind of intersected. And he did send the article. And I did text it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got uh, that. Yeah, I seen yeah. that. <laughs> and then I did also uh, tweet it out. So Which for anyone is crazy, who was though, about like, that, that I mean, it's so dope that that he found that. First of all, I mean, yeah, you know, for to to be able to unlock that, but like the fact that you can, you know, kind of go back and forth, and like you said, you can watch Luke walk out, you know what I'm saying, and then yeah. walk in as a cartoon character. It's, it's super. That's dope. It's sick, man. Dope. It is sick how you can like combine the experience of the live action with the animation, and it gives you things that you assume are happening, but you didn't see, and now you get to see them all. Uh, together, which is awesome. That's so cool. Because sometimes you'll have like references, but this is actually like in a it, it can converging timeline. Yeah, which is out. like it, it's it's because there's no other show like that, right? Like, no. I mean, maybe I guess Game of Thrones could get there if the storyline plays out that much, because there are so many different, you know, yeah, things you didn't see or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so many yeah. different countries or worlds or whatever um, that stuff could play out, but like. You know, the fact that the characters are all built up and the storylines built up that much from Star Wars that you could do these different things. You know what's cool, too? I noticed Disney Plus with Marvel. You know, I, I was uh, I, I was uh, finishing Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision in advance of me doing that Marvel broadcast the other night, which, bro, our set was just you would you would love just being on our set, man. It was man, so it cool. Looked, it looked dope. It looked it, dope. It, it was awesome. But one thing that Disney Plus does that's awesome is. They actually, on the like uh, front page of Disney Plus, when you go to the Marvel section, they have different ways where they suggest how to watch it. So it's like if you're doing it like universe timeline. So like this is actually, even though this movie came out eight years later, this is actually happening over here before this. Like, or if you want to uh, do it in release order or whatever. You know what? Really cool. uh, uh, I think Tommy, Tommy Canely, I think watched everything in in uh universe order 
and was telling me about yeah, and it was telling me that you could do that, which is which is time consuming, but it's like it's you know it's dope though. (laughs) Have you done it? Have you seen all the Marvel movies? I've seen them all, but I've just seen them all in release. You know what I'm saying? I haven't seen them in the order of. I guess the universe, which you know, is something I could do now that I'm retired. And yeah, exactly. Don't that's do a, anything. That's, that's a, you know what though, you you do a lot of stuff. Like I know you're retired, but I feel like you're a busy man. Yeah, I guess. But yeah. man, you uh, uh, we recording this on Wednesday night. I'm watching this game at the same time as yeah. we're recording too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm watching Monty get a little bit of trouble right now with with Bregman. Okay, um, but After but G hit a homer. After G hit a homer, but that I, I guess I could take us into my uh, first slinging heat. If you could hear my TV, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we can hear your TV, and since you don't know where the remote is, I think you might as well take us into the first slinging heat. The the first, my first slinging heat is is the effect that the crowd has, and this is what I was saying. Um, why I probably would have opted out of last year of not having you know our crowd in the Bronx, um, you know, be a part of the playoffs last year, or even be a part of the season. That's like one of our advantages. You have to come to Yankee Stadium and deal with our crowd. Now the Astros, you know, are dealing with the wrath of, of you know, everything that they had to go through in 2017. And they put the fan base through and all of that stuff. And, you know, just listen to the crowd. There's 10,000 people in there. And, you know, I work out with, with Heat. Uh, he's one of the clubhouse guys, works down there in the visiting clubhouse. He said, it was the loudest that he's ever heard the stadium. So, wow, you know, 10,000 people in the Bronx is the loudest that he's ever heard the stadium when the, when the Astros come in. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's super cool to have the fans back, man. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a huge advantage for us as Yankees to have our fans back. You know what's also kind of satisfying in that sense? And I'll give a shout-out to the, the best Yankee fan I know, my good friend Bobby Preddy. He and I used to always talk about and worry, quite frankly, at the beginning of the new stadium, mm-hmm. like, oh, will it feel the way it did? Like, will you get that juice back, even the acoustics and whatever? And I think we saw, especially during, there were moments in 09, but especially during your 2017 run, we saw, oh, yeah. And then seeing a moment like last night, right, where even with a diminished number of people in the stands, like this fan base knew to rise to the occasion and you felt them. And that has to be intimidating to the Astros when they take the field last night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, what's crazy is that we felt that too. Like, I mean, cause we obviously knew what the old stadium was as a visitor. I knew what it was, you know, Jeter and the core four and all those guys understood what that stadium was. So moving into the, across the street in the, in Oh nine, you know, it was kind of weird and it was a new stadium and it didn't have those ghosts, but, it was crazy because we were walking off every night. So we were making like new yeah. memories and it was pies and it was, you know what I'm saying? So like everything just came right back so fast that like we just made it our own real quick. And yeah, you're right. Like 17 was the loudest that I've ever heard the stadium. You know, those, that playoff run, Gary hitting a double judge going deep against Minnesota in that first inning. Um, it, yeah. I mean, it, it just felt and it felt like this group, this group that you're watching now own the stadium now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, um, like a passing after, of the baton. Yeah, especially after 17, and and that's performing so well in that playoff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just fun to be able to to engage with the fan base and have them back in the stadium. Do you find yourself watching? See, basically every night you put the game on in some fashion. Yeah, I'm watching every night. I'm you know, especially yeah. uh, obviously if Monty's pitching, I'm watching. Yeah, um, but. Most of the time, I'm, I'm, I mean, I watch a lot of baseball. I watched John Means throw his uh, no-hitter today. I watched Sonny mm. pitch this morning. 
Um, so I'm watching a lot, a lot of baseball. And, you know, this is something that we always talked about on the pod that I said I was never going to watch baseball when I'm done. <laughs> and that's all I fucking do is watch baseball. So <laughs> I've turned into like a real, real fan, man. And, and I'm, you know, I'm enjoying it. I kind of love that. I love that. And I love that the Yankees fans have given it to the Astros. And look, I understand what uh, Dusty Baker was saying about like, hey, it's time to move on. And I love Dusty. Uh, but Everybody loves battle. Dusty. That's why That's yeah. why it was a perfect hire for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. exactly. Everybody loves to, Dusty. To cover your organization. There you go. <laughs> but you know what? This is the first opportunity. Like, to to let these guys hear it. Of course the fans are going to let them hear it, let them feel it. Of course there's going to be a little extra juice for the players. This is your first chance. It, it's still fresh. Just like when Roger Clemens finally hit against the Mets, Sean Estes may not have actually followed through with what they wanted him to do. But, of course, there was anticipation for that moment, and he was going to throw at him after the Piazza thing, even though it was years later. Like, it, it, same, same sort of deal. Like, when you get your first chance... It, you're not going to be able to sweep it under the rug until you get past that. And, and I don't think this is swept under the rug because the stadium's not packed. So it's going to be people the next time the Astros come in and be like, fuck that. Yeah. I didn't get my booze. Like, <laughs> y'all, the 10,000 people, y'all might be here, but but I got to hear it on TV, so I'm going to get mine out. Yeah. So I don't think this shit is going anywhere, anytime for, for none of these guys. You know what I'm saying? It is All right, what let- it is, though. We'll get to the second sling, and he do want to remind people we're going to talk to net sharpshooter Joe Harris coming up in just a couple minutes. All right, see, what's your second sling and heat? My second sling and heat is yesterday was May the 4th, right? You know, we did our yeah. our special episode. You yep. know how serious we are about Star Wars, right? Yes. You did your broadcast. You guys had the Marvel thing going on. Yeah. So yesterday they had the, the Star Wars broadcast on ESPN, and I see a picture of the booth. And it's the worst fucking costumes I've ever seen in my life. And I was genuinely pissed the fuck off about it. Because don't disrespect the fucking franchise, guys. Like, if you're going to fucking do it, guys, do it. Like, if you're going to dress up, dress the fuck up, bro. Don't, don't half-ass it when it comes to Star Wars, guys. You know, that's, it, it, like, and I was really, really pissed off. Like, I was really upset about it. So I just thought I needed to bring it to my podcast. Oh, I love it. I don't man. even I- know who was on the... I don't even know who it was. I can't even tell who was in a Yoda yeah. fucking mask. I don't know who. I think it was Tim Kirkjian. That was fucking was terrible, Kirchin. Tim. You got to do a better job than that. Hey, like, Tim would. You know Tim would be down for anything, too. That's what I'm saying. So so somebody at ESPN, I don't know, Disney, owned, like, we got we to gotta figure this the fuck out next year because, I mean, I, I, we can't go for That was fucking embarrassing, bro. We that was need, embarrassing. We need, you know what? It's Disney because we could have had Yoda on the fucking set. We could have. We could have actually Yoda. We could have actually Yoda on the set, guys. We could have. But instead, we had Tim Kirchner in a terrible outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did Monty just give something up? I think so. That's a nice Uh, throw. Okay. Guardy Guardy with the fundamentals, bro. Did he throw someone out? He's going to hit the cutoff, man. Oh, yeah? Did he throw somebody out? See? Yeah, he threw Correa out the plate. Oh, nice. All right, good. Um... Yeah, dude, you know what's funny is you can talk about it because you've sat in a makeup chair for six hours and gotten and, your Yoda and costume I will. Done. I will yeah, every yeah. time. It's worth it, bro. I'm not going to half-ass it, cuz. Maybe next year we'll have our ESPN baseball department contact you and Amber about who you used for your Star Wars costume makeup. Oh, yeah, for sure. Doug. Yeah. Doug, Doug will definitely do it, 1,000%. Yeah. He does our, our Halloween every year. 
Anytime I need to be dressed up to do anything, Doug is my man. So Doug will do it for sure. All right, good. Okay. And what do you got for your third slinging heat, C? My third slinging heat is actually a question to you. Um, Do you like the playoff game? Because, you know, you know me, I like new stuff. The play-in? The NBA play-in game. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Play-in game in the NBA. Um, I like new, you know, rules. I like to shake things up. I like the wild card series in baseball last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the format that they had last year in the NBA with the playoffs, with the, you know, with the playing games and stuff. So do you like this going forward? I do, man. I do. And I know LeBron uh, just was vocal about not liking it. And I'm sure well, he, he never... don't like it because his ass would probably have to play in it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He didn't think his team was going to be playing it. And he, when he was talking about it shit. being exciting last year. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I like it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, you know, I work with a lot of coaches. I know they don't love it. And I understand why they don't. Because if, you're, if you've worked all season to earn one of those top eight spots and you could all of a sudden, you know, let, let's say somebody just has something nagging that they really would only miss a game or two. In a series, you'd still have them. But for this one game, you don't and you're gone. Uh, or, you know, those two games you don't, you're gone. Or you just worked all year for this opportunity and then you're out like that. I, I get that being a problem. I also, interestingly, talked to Ty Lu last week Clippers head coach, and he said he felt like being the three seed was an advantage over being the one or two because you know your opponent versus finding out at the last minute. And in a conference like the West, where there are competitive teams, and even the East, honestly, with the way you know some of these teams have been playing of late, like that could be significant, right? If you like don't have time to prepare for the Washington Wizards the way they're playing, you know, versus if you did, and or if you in the West, if you don't have time to prepare for the Blazers, Warriors, whoever. Or the Lakers. Um, Yo, do you think before you go, do you think yeah. the Wizards can beat the Nets or the, or or, or uh, the Seventy Sixers? I this is what uh, it depends. Full, if 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 the Nets are fully healthy, no. But if they're missing Harden, I do. I, I honestly do. I, I would still pick the Nets to win the series. But if the Nets don't have Harden back and they were playing the Wizards in the First round, I would, I would absolutely be thinking this is going to be a six or seven game six, series. Six game yeah. series, for sure. I would, I would, because and Russell, you don't want to, you don't want to be playing long series at the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Physical. No. You know that shit's going to be physical too, because rest is going to be out there. And, and if you look at it like the reason hard, look, there's a reason why the Nets are 27 and seven with Harden, and they are nine and ten without Harden. Right? Like, there's a reason why uh, he is their facilitator. He makes everyone around him better. And the team just elevates when he's on the floor. So I, I would be worried. If they have those three, I'm not worried. I think you might see games that are like 140 to 130. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried. And ultimately, I still think they win. But And the Sixers, the interesting thing is like, you know, Philly's a really good defensive team. But Washington can really score. And so I, I and if Russ is playing like that. If Russ is playing like this. I mean, they could beat anybody, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But, yeah. like, can he play like this for that long? You know what I'm saying? I mean, Man. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's a weird thing. Because the one it's, thing is, it, it, like, the intensity ratchets up for every everybody. Now, Russell has a special gear. Yeah, that's every, what I'm saying. But, but everybody plays at a different level once the playoffs start. Yeah, but, but but even if you get into a long series with, with, with the Wizards, 
there it's shit's gonna be physical, man. And Russ gonna be out, you know what I'm saying? Like it's gonna be a lot of shit talking. It's gonna, yeah. it's yeah. gonna take a lot out of you, cuz. Yeah. Is yeah, what it I'm is. saying. Yeah, playing is. playing a Russell West Westbrook team in the playoffs is gonna take a lot out of you. You might win the series, yeah. but it's gonna fucking wear you down. No doubt, man. No doubt. I, I also think Miami is a tough team to play in the first round. You know, like that's the thing, you know, people I think there's some like there's some weirdness in the East, like as far as Atlanta goes or Charlotte or the Knicks who are having an unbelievable season. But I don't think anybody thinks like, oh, the Knicks are going to the conference finals. Right. But. But they, I mean, but but all due respect, they put themselves in a seating position where we could easily see them in the second round now. Um, but but with the teams that are like towards like Washington, the way they're playing and having established stars, Boston and the stars that they have. And, and in the Miami, coaching that they have. and the coaching, yeah, and Miami, like those teams are kind of live late seeds that normally you would never see them as a potential six, seven, eight, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But in this playoffs, you might. But to answer your question, I like the plan. And my number one reason is, you know, it is not often, and I know we're just talking about scenarios where this year you actually may have sevens that can contend with twos and eights that can contend with ones. But in the NBA, it is extraordinarily rare that those lower-seeded teams can knock off the higher-seeded teams because there's usually a great disparity in talent between those championship-capable teams and the teams that just get into the playoffs. And so for me, why I like it is because I would rather see more teams invested at the end of the season and create more excitement for those teams that we'd otherwise look at as sort of you know first-round doormats for the top seeds. They're, they don't feel that way anymore when we're talking about them competing for a play-in spot during the final weeks of the season. Whereas if you were just looking at it like, hey, they're going to be the eighth seed and they're going to be sacrificial lambs to whoever, you know, you might just kind of be like, yeah, it's like not that exciting. But the fact they're going to have to win, win or go home games, I think makes it exciting. I like it. And it keeps more teams involved for longer. It does. but And, and you know, I think with the way that the landscape of the league is changing now, like I think there is more parity. So I think going forward, there can be some of those lower seeds. I mean, we are, you know, you explained it this year, but I think maybe going forward in the West for sure, mm. you definitely can see where, you know, if, you know, in a couple of years, LeBron's going to be fucking almost 40 years old. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if they don't retool, then of course, like a, a lower seed can, you know, jump up and, and bite them. So I think just the way that the, the league is playing out and some of those older stars are kind of moving out, like, I think that the play-in could be really, really exciting for like the next five years because we may see a, a, a team that that wins the play-in and then and then beats the number one seed. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like this right. is this is like this is something that I think it could be a lot of fun, man. The next it, couple it, of years. Here's the other thing. Like I, I will say this on the downside: if the Lakers got knocked out in the play-in. That would be a disaster for our league ratings-wise. A disaster. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it for the ripple effect that would have on the rest of the playoffs. So I understand trepidation there. However, the ratings for those play-in games, if they involve LeBron or Steph, are going to be yeah. off the charts ridiculous. Off the charts. Yes, yes. And, and dude, even think about it. The, so our three biggest draws on national TV this year are the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Brooklyn Nets. The... Warriors, right now, they're tied for the eighth spot with Memphis. But if they finish ninth, they wouldn't be in the playoffs then. And we would lose out on the opportunity to see Steph having this historic season 
play in that playing game. Like that's going to be must watch TV when Steph plays in the play-in. And so I, I like it, man. I like it. I think ultimately it also incentivizes teams to finish higher in the standings in the regular season too. So I like it. All right, see, what do you think? Should we, should we, uh, should we chat with the man you called a straight baller? Straight baller. <laughs> Joe Harris, friend of the program, fan of R2C2. He's a great dude. He's a foodie. He's smart as a whip, and he is an outstanding, outstanding player for the Brooklyn Nets. One of the top three-point shooters in the NBA. Uh, he's leading the league in three-point shooting percentage. Um, at least he was as of a day ago. I think he still is. Uh, and he's that's a crown he's won before. So without further ado, a man who's going to talk about Kyrie, KD, Harden, Steve Nash, this season, everything you could ever want. Here's Joe Harris on R2C2. You know, see, I'm pumped for this because I, I felt for a long time like Joe Harris is an R2C2 kind of guy, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Been like, here forever. Changed the culture of the team. So we should have we should have been had him on. That's two weeks yes. in a row now. We got guys that we should have been had on. <laughs> yes, exactly. So so Joe, this is long overdue, man. But thank you for making your R2C2 debut. No, man, I'm happy to be here. I love you guys. Thank you, man. Thank you. I uh, I think that, you know, one of the things that uh, cracked me up a couple of weeks ago, Joe, we were talking about the Nets, now that CeCe's a Nets fan, and um, which we were happy to welcome him onto the bandwagon, of course. <laughs> um, but but and he was like, we were talking about guys, and, you know, we were like, hey, you know, obviously it's, it's KD, it's Kyrie, um, and, it's, and it's Harden. And I was like, but, you know, there are there are so many, you know, good players around him. And, you know, of course, I mentioned you and, and C stops me. He's like, well, like Joe is not a role player. Joe is a baller because like that that's a dude who could just win a game. So that's how R2C2 views you, Joe. Not as <laughs> not as a complimentary piece, but as a baller. Oh, I appreciate that, man. That uh, I don't know if I would classify myself in that regard, but um, I appreciate that. No, nah, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, just watching, you know, how, how you go about your business, how hard you've been working. And like I said, just changing the culture, like KD and Kyrie don't show up if you guys aren't doing the right things years before, you know what I'm saying? Changing everything and, you know, getting it kind of set up to where you guys are now. So, you know, I think you should be as proud of, you know, what you guys are, have accomplished or what you guys are about to accomplish as an organization. I feel like you should, you should feel super proud of that because you were part of the culture that changed everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think obviously a lot of it goes to, to Sean and uh, those you know guys that were that were here five years ago when he first took over, trying to instill, um, you know, like you like you said, you know, culture is sort of like one of those buzzwords. But it, you know, it, it was a big thing early on. They're trying to set these foundational pieces, rebrand the Nets, uh, get it to a place where it was an attractive market for free agents, and then you know it happened a lot quicker than I think anybody anticipated, but you know, three years into, uh, you know, four years into um, him being there, you know, we're able to get guys um, like Kevin and Kai, and then obviously I did James this year, but, um, you know, definitely doesn't get to that point unless you have the right stuff built in early on. Yeah. See, that's the key point, right, Joe? Like, I mean, you know, these guys, so you can, you could probably attest to it more directly than we could, but I always say that I'm like, they, those guys don't come here 
if you guys didn't build up what you did in those few years before, right? If you don't like, like yeah. credit to D'Angelo Russell as well and yeah, what he meant 100%. to this team, right? Right. I mean, yeah. it, that's true, right? We, the place isn't attractive enough to a, to to get a KD or a Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, even even Kenny Atkinson, all those guys that were here before, uh, Jared Dudley, Damari Carroll, Karras, Jay, all these guys that were here, huge integral pieces um, early on. You know, they really just helped sort of. Uh, set the standard for what Brooklyn was trying to be about. And then the NBA, the circles are just too small. And you guys know this, you, you know, with uh, working with the NBA, MLB, everybody kind of has an idea of what different organizations are like. And then, you know, you, you're trying to set yourself apart and become like a desirable location. And uh, obviously it helps being in a, in a bigger market, but it's not the end all be all. And you got to have a little bit of something else to it. And I think just the fact that we had a lot great foundational pieces set, set in place made us uh, a really attractive place to come in free agency. I remember we did the podcast down. We did. We had Jacques Vaughn on the podcast. And I remember walking into the to practice facility. I was like, this is going to be a place people going to want to come. Like, just oh, seeing yeah. the facilities and you can be here in the summertime. It's right across the water from Manhattan. Like, you're in Brooklyn. Yep. Like, this is, like, where people want to work out in the summer. Like, you don't have to go to Vegas. You don't have to do these different things. You can literally come to your own facility and get that work in and then be in New York in the summertime. Like, yeah. when I, I walked in that building, I was like, oh, yeah, the Nets, they they, they, they did it right for sure. <laughs> no, 100%. I mean, that facility is beautiful. Um, and like you said, uh, I mean, New York is a popular spot for a lot of guys in the offseason anyways. People are coming in and out of the city. Um and then to be able to have the setup that we have where we're actually in the city, you know, you, you, obviously the Knicks, you know, they play at MSG, but a lot of their operations and stuff are not uh, within Manhattan. And for us to have all everything in Brooklyn, I mean, it's a pretty sick setup. It's ideal. And it's amazing. I mean, the guys are able to commute even from Manhattan, Tribeca area. It takes them 15 minutes to get to our practice facility. And then the same thing for a lot of us that live in the Brooklyn area, too. Yeah, no, it's a huge difference because that's your daily life, right? Like you're going yeah. to the facility more than you're going to the arena, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, Joe, I also, I, when you talk about like the small circles and, and word gets around, what what would you say are the things that are sort of the, the key points that got around to people when it comes to the culture of the Nets or the experience of being a Brooklyn Net? What were those key things that, made this place attractive beyond the, you know, quality personnel that you guys have been building on the floor? Uh, I, to be honest, I think a lot of it had to do with um, guys just knowing that it, it was first class in terms of how they they treated the players. Um, you know, you, you came into the organization and every guy that, that you know, might have been their first stop there, so somebody like Jared Dudley, DeMar Carroll, Ed Davis, some of these guys that I played with a couple of years ago, they would all say the same thing. They say, it's unbelievable how much attention each player gets specifically It's individualized. There's like a program for every single person in terms of what you're doing in the weight room, who you're working with, um, you know, performance staff, physical therapist, and just the attention to detail on that end. You know, I think Sean could probably speak at this a, a lot more, but I think, you know, one of his goals early on when he first took over in Brooklyn was to have the best performance staff in all of sports. And so you look at our uh, physical therapist that we have on staff and, top to bottom, you know, it's world-class, you know, we have some of the legitimately some of the best in, uh, in their field, um, in the world. So, you know, to have that, uh, just at your disposal all the time, and then to be continuously working on with you, I mean, it's a a huge upper hand in that way and stuff like that travels pretty quickly amongst, uh, NBA circles. You, You know, your growth as a player is incredible to me because Joe, 
I remember when when the Nets brought you in, Kenny Atkinson was doing, you know, he he had just gotten there and he was talking to us about like the roster and the personnel and what to look for in the beginning of the year. And we did this thing where we go in and um, and we have this meeting with Kenny and with Sean uh, for our Yes Network broadcast team. And um, there's a whiteboard and like, you know, the different potential depth chart of what you guys are going to have. And he's talking about you. And he's like, ideally, we think we, you know, we can help develop this guy into Kyle Korver. That's, that's what we, that's what we think is possible. Now, at the time he's saying that, I'm saying, well, geez, that'd be great. But you know, like, <laughs> he, 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 he just got, he just got let go. I don't know if this guy is going to be Kyle Korver, you know? And what's, and what's amazing, Joe, is not only did you become, you know, a, a shooter with the consistency and lethality of Kyle Korver, but, you know, no disrespect to Kyle, you became a better all-around player. The way you were able to, I mean, you're one of the best finishers in, around at the rim in the NBA consistently year after year in addition to the way you shoot from three. And I'm just wondering, did you truly know you had this in you? When you, when you, when you get, you know, let go at the beginning of your NBA career, did you know that you still had this kind of potential to achieve at the NBA level? Um, I mean, obviously a lot goes, uh, uh, through your mental when stuff like that is happening. I think for whatever reason, I always have just had, um, a lot of inner belief and confidence, even when I was going through some, some tough times, you know, when uh, I got traded, um, and let go all sort of really in, in a matter of like four or five hours. Um, but then getting picked up, um, by Brooklyn and like, like you mentioned with Kenny, that was one of the first things that he said to me, he came up to me and said, Hey, you know, th- this is what I envision for you. This is what we're going to try and, and get you to. And uh, I think, you know, when, when a coach or somebody within the organization um, has that belief in you, and even Sean too, Sean didn't necessarily always kind of use the Kyle Korver comparison, but he would bring up a lot of other sort of like three and D type guys. Um, and I think that that helps a lot when you have people at the top of, of the chain that then still sort of that belief in you. And Kenny obviously was great terms of development, but I had some great coaches along the way. You know, I've worked with Jordan Ott the entire time that I've been um, in Brooklyn. And a lot of it was, you know, specific to, uh, you know, wh- how I was going to play within our offense. So initially, early on, a lot of it was sort of Corver-esque, where a lot of movement into shots, uh, finding windows for shots, and solidifying myself in that that niche early on. And you know, I think year by year, I've able been able to kind of just like add different layers um, to my game. Obviously, I know, you know, why I'm here, why I've been able to have success. And a lot of it was exactly what, what you mentioned, the, that core piece, being that shooter, being that knockdown shooter. But I've always tried to be able to do just a little bit, a little bit more and add, add a piece um, every offseason sort of since I've been in Brooklyn. Man, it's, it's, it's been amazing to watch, too, because like, you know, like Ryan said, like you said it. You know, started off with the Corver and just finding little windows, but now being able to finish and score on all three levels, and then you got the other three guys out there. Just it just makes it that much more lethal when you know you can score on all three levels when you got KD, Kyrie, and, and Harden on the floor too. It's, it's just crazy. It's pretty much unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those three guys are obviously in a completely separate league of their own. It's a, even last night we were just talking to some of the guys on the team. We were just talking. Um, about them and it's just crazy that we have all three of them um on the same team i mean you're gonna look we're gonna be 10 15 years from now looking back at these guys 
And each one of them, you're going to hold in probably the, the highest regard that you could ever hold a basketball player. So to have them all on one team um, is pretty remarkable, but it opens up stuff for everybody else. You know, when they're, when they're all playing together offensively, it makes, you know, it makes life for everybody else that's playing with them so much easier. But it also, you know, you, you still got to be able to do, you know, you still got to be able to shoot. You still yeah. be able to try and you know, get to your spot, try and finish at the rim. But it does definitely make uh, life a lot easier for everybody else. But but is it a lot more pressure, though, like on those shots? Because, the, you know, you are expected to knock down those those open threes now, you know, and, and do these things because these guys are on the floor. So I feel like it would be a lot more pressure on somebody like yourself, you know, to be because everybody's expects you to knock those shots down when you're open. Yeah, definitely. I think that sort of comes with it where there is a level of expectations, um, you know, and consistency that's expected of you. Uh, and especially at this point too, you know, it's not the same Joe Harris that came into Brooklyn trying to solidify the niche. You know, I've kind of earned um, my respect in the league as somebody that's going to be able to knock down shots. So there's definitely, you know, a level of pressure and expectation that's there. But that's what the whole point of of playing sports and getting to that level is to get those sort of expectations and pressure. You know, it's a lot different than when nobody expects anything of you. You know, and it's the same thing in terms of the regard of of the team too. Where like when I first came to Brooklyn, shit, people didn't expect us to do anything. You know, we were like a laughing stock of the league, and our whole goal was to get to the point where we had some sort of expectations and um, you know pressure to be honest. So to like be finally in this point. You know, this is what this is what you work to to get to on an individual level, but then also a team level. You know, what's interesting when you say that, Joe, it reminds me of something I've been saying a lot over the last like couple months when people say, oh, if they don't win a championship, it's a failure of a season. Now, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, of, course, <laughs> I, uh, of course, I desperately want you to win a championship, Joe, but and, and I believe you guys will. But I hate that mentality because to me, what it does is it doesn't pay respect to the journey to get to this point. Like, I can tell you as someone who's broadcasted these games, who's rooted for this team for a long time, who watches you guys constantly, I am so enjoying this journey after, you know, having, you know, consecutive 20-win seasons and, you know, and, and, and feeling like, hey, if this team can, if this team can finish with 25 wins, it's a great year. You know, I mean, like, the, after seeing all of the struggles, and in, even when this team was like, a playoff team in its early years in Brooklyn, there wasn't like a soul to the group, right? It was kind of like, you're tr kind of trying to like piece things together. There wasn't like a path to a sustainable future, if you will. You knew like, this is like a flash in the pan with a low ceiling, you know? And, um, and so there is something just about watching you guys day in, day out, now, don't go and lose in the first round. But I'm saying there's, a, there's, a, there's something about watching you guys day in, day out that I find like this whole journey is so enjoyable. And I'm just wondering your perspective on, on that and kind of, you know, knowing how high the team expectations are. And as you talked about owning that, but also still trying to enjoy what you guys are getting to do and accomplish along the way. Yeah, I mean... It's definitely one of those things where I think early on um, you can kind of feel like uh, a little bit of sort of tightness um, and pressure early in the season where like, you know, we were expected to blow out teams, win every game. Um, and we were trying to find our way. And I think what's kind of lost in a lot of this is that 
people don't realize how difficult it is to just win games consistently in, in the NBA. Or I mean, just in professional sports for that matter. Like when teams are dominant, like I think it gets kind of just like, um, you know, pushed aside. Oh, it's supposed to happen sort of deal. But people, you don't realize how difficult it is. I mean, you look across the board, just because we have uh, top tier talent doesn't mean it's a, sh- a shoe in to, to win games, you know? And you can even look across the league right now. I mean, arguably last season, you would have said, oh, man, the Clippers, what they added, like th- th- they should have been, you know, at least Western Conference finals, you know, yeah, and like at least. Yeah, exactly. That's what everybody kind of, you know, there's the expectations that are around them. But just because you have the talent doesn't mean that it's necessarily, um, you know, done deal, set in, shoe in, whatever it might be. And for us, I think early on trying to, you know, manage that pressure, manage the expectations. And like Steve has been great. He was the one early on who said, Hey, like you guys, it doesn't look like you guys are having fun. Like, that's this is the whole point of like playing. You got to be able to enjoy, you know, this, this whole, the whole journey together. So being able to withstand sort of difficult times, but then, you know, riding the highs as well. Like, you, you got to be able to kind of take it in as a whole, enjoy the whole process of everything, but also don't lose sight of the fact that just like this is a game where we all get to go out, compete with one another. You know, you should enjoy playing with with these guys. And we say, ultimately, in the end, we're going to have a lot more success if we can kind of figure that out and get to that point. And kind of able to tinker around with it a little bit, able to, you know, win a close one here or there. And then once momentum gets rolling, you know, guys start enjoying playing with one, one another. You build up that continuity, that chemistry. And you're getting to a point that we're at now in the season where, you know, regardless of who we have on the court, we're trying to, you know, just enjoy playing with one another, enjoy competing with one another. and having that le- level of, of continuity unity where we're sacrificing for each other on both ends. You know, at the end of the day, it's a team game. We can't just get there uh, with one, two, three guys alone. Everybody has got to be able to contribute. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's crazy because like teams that are dominant throughout the year, this sounds weird, but they normally have a tougher time in the playoffs. I mean, if you just look at like the 73 and nine Warriors team, like every game was like emphasis on winning that night. Oh my when god! When they got yeah. to the end, it was like you know what I'm saying. Like they had nothing left. So to be able to watch y'all go through what you've been through and and watching KD go down, you know, and have other guys step up like uh, Bruce Brown step up and different guys yep. step up. You're going to need that throughout the playoffs. Throughout that you know two months of the playoffs, different guys are going to have to step up, hit big shots, and to be able to have that throughout the season. And these guys get big minutes throughout the season. Obviously, you don't want you never want your stars to miss time or be out. But if you can have other guys step up and fill those voids, you know, for a couple games here or there, it just makes you that much better when it gets to the end. And then now you need these guys to make shots and, and play these big, tough minutes. Yeah, so true. No, that's 100%. I mean, obviously, we, we wish that we would have had a fully healthy roster this entire season. But like you said, it provides great opportunity for other guys to have a chance and to kind of come in and gain some confidence. Uh, you know, fill a role that they might have re- not realized that they they could have. Um, but you're going to need everybody in the playoffs. You need one through 15, one through 17, however many guys that you that you have. Uh, everybody plays some sort of role in helping you win that championship. So you never know when your when your time is going to be called upon. And you know, knock on wood, hopefully we do have uh, a full health going into the playoffs and through the playoffs. But you just never know, and you and you have to be ready whenever your number is called. Yeah, just keeps yeah. everybody involved. Yep. It, that's been one of the more amazing things about the season, Joe. As much as we talk about how much talent is on this roster, this talent hasn't been healthy together on the roster. You know, for the for the vast majority of this season, 
you know, you guys have played six full games with Kevin, Kyrie, and and James. Yeah, that's it. Crazy. You know, th- that's it. And and it does feel like no matter who you put out there on a given night, you're winning. Like you went 19 and four in that 23 game stretch without KD. That yeah, that's a, you know that's insane. Is there something about it, Joe, in what you're describing, where it's like once you adopt that identity? you do sort of carry that with you regardless of who's on the floor where you're like, no, we're, we're the Brooklyn Nets. We're a really good team. We're going to go win tonight regardless of who's here. Yeah, 100%. I think um, obviously having those guys around, you know, they're sort of like, you know, the level where we're like, hey, fuck, we have, you know, if Kyrie's out on the court with us, if James is out on the court with us, or Kevin, even if they're just one and without the others, you still have a level of confidence where, you know, any one of these three guys is arguably the best player in the world um, when they're playing, you know, and can be and can be capable of that. And there's sort of a level of confidence that's instilled in everybody else where, like, we can, no matter who's out there on the court, we can compete, you know. And, um, but it definitely helps, like, like I said, one of those three guys is playing with you. You're like, all right, arguably could easily be the best player in the world this given night. And we're going to have a chance to compete against anybody, you know, but again, the rest of the guys, everybody's capable though, too, no matter who is called upon, you know, even somebody like Alizé Johnson the other night against uh, Indy, you know, like he comes in and he gives you a 20, 20 off of the bench. Like, this is just one of those things where I think, um, I think partly from the coaching staff, but also just like the, um, the chemistry amongst the guys where, People, there's a level of confidence that guys feel when they're able to kind of just go in and have their their opportunity to play, you know. And I think a lot of that, like you said, it just comes from, all right, like it's it's a different sort of swagger to the Brooklyn Nets, where it's just like a a new sort of level of confidence where we're no matter who's playing, it's it's a chance for for you to kind of go out there and uh, you know have an opportunity to show out. Really, to be honest, it's a complete team. You know, it's like yeah, complete. yeah, the, Joe. What has Steve been like as a head coach? Steve has been awesome. I mean, he's obviously has a difficult job. Um, I would say for him more than anything else, it's a, a lot of just managing the personalities that we have on the team. Um, you know, the, the NBA is difficult where, you know, do you, you have to try and keep everybody in the boat. You don't ever want to just, you know, lose anybody, exile anybody by any yeah. particular way. It's, you got to keep all hands on deck and it's tough to do that over the course of the season, especially when, you know, a situation that, that we've had where guys have been hurt, um, you know, different COVID protocols, uh, you know, just some other, a lot of just like stuff that kind of goes on behind the scenes that not a lot of people realize, but for him to kind of just be able to manage everybody. I, I talked about this um, a little while back where uh, to me, he seems like the type of guy when he was playing, everybody always talked about how much they love playing with them, how great of a leader he was, how great of a teammate he was. And he seems the same way um, as a coach. I think everybody has a, just such a, a high level of respect for him just because they, you know, his emotional intelligence, he's able to connect with each guy um, on a level where I've never really seen a head coach be able to do it. I think you could go to a man on the Nets roster right now and they would all sit, you know, they would all run through a brick wall for this guy. And then for a different sort of way, it's not like out of fear of where you, you know, feel like you have to play hard. It's more just like out of respect for him as a person, as an individual. Man, I've heard, you know, his teammates and and different guys that, that have played with him or played against him talk about, 
You know how much they respect him. And it sounds like the same thing, you know, as as a coach. He's the same way where, you know, the guys just love playing for him. He has a ability to be able to relate to everybody. Um, yep. I, listen, I listen to a lot to uh, Quentin Richardson and, and uh, Darius Miles, their podcast. Oh, yeah, They yeah. talk about Nash all the time. They talk about how much they love playing with him, how much, you know, they he hung out with them off the court. So I knew that he would be able to come in and, and be a good a good coach for you guys just because of hearing those stories and how much he could relate to everybody. A hundred percent. So that's the thing. It's like, like you go over the course of his 20 year career. And then even now him, this is his first year as a coach. Everybody that's been around him loves him. You know, that's just the type of like type of guy that he is. And then I think just because he had so much success as a player, he almost automatically just has the upper hand in that regard coming in as a coach where there's just a level of respect where this, you know, that this guy, he played for this amount of time, had this amount of success, you know, he, he just, you don't have to worry about any sort of, um, you know, credibility with him. Whereas, you know, I don't want to even knock like prior coaches or anything like that, but it's always, you know, there's always a little bit, uh, you know, difficulty early on to establish that sort of respect. And yeah, it seemed to yeah. me like, yeah, it seemed to me like Steve kind of came in, was able to, to have it almost right away. Whereas obviously coaching is definitely different than playing. But I think because of his just like natural sort of leadership ability that he had as a player. And like CC said, just being able to connect with everybody. He had that out of, even when he first stepped foot uh, as the Nets coach. And then all the other stuff, you know, the X's, O's, the uh, schematics, you know, he has an unbelievable staff that's around him. But he obviously, you know, has a level of understanding with that as well. But just being able to pick, you know, D'Antoni's brain, Ime Udoka. You know, you have all these great coaches that are uh, around you to help you out. Jacques Vaughn, you know, makes life um, a lot easier when he's able to really just kind of, you know, connect with the guys, focus on that. And then you have a lot of other guys that help, you know, just delegate and 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 handle stuff that way. It tells you a lot about him, though, that he kept Jacques on the on the on his coaching staff because he could have Jacques could have easily been your next head coach. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But they gave it to Nash. He could have easily fired him. You know, not wanting that friction. But, you know, the, the the guy that he is, he kept him on the staff knowing it's, it's only going to help you guys. So, you know, I, I thought no, that was great. 100%. Him on the staff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and JV is an unbelievable coach. Like you said, JV could have, he probably, he could have been, easily been our coach or he could have taken a job somewhere else. You know, he had a lot of success uh, coaching with us in the interim last season. Um and definitely one of the best assistants um, in the league. But but again, like Steve is just such a humble guy. He's about the team. He's not doesn't ever make it about himself. And you know he, and knowing him now, it's a, sort of a no brainer that he would want somebody like JV on his staff because he, he doesn't ever make anything about himself. And it's not like this pride, ego, competitive streak where you know he's going to be you know, try and get, get the guys that were, that were there beforehand out, you know, he kept a lot of the guys that were with the Nets prior, um, on staff. You know, one more thing on Steve, Joe, and, um, C might make fun of me for the way I'm going to ask, ask this question, but I think about this. Do you think he's having fun? Cause I hope he is, but I, I picture the job and I think like, you know, it can't be easy to because NBA superstars more than anything else, like sort of have this power, right? And whether they're sort good guys, of have this power, they have all the fucking power. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, you know, for Steve, I I can picture him. 
I can picture him like he's got this great idea and somebody just be, no, we're not doing that. And he'd be like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out a new way to communicate it. You know, so, and I'm just wondering, like as great as he is, and I love the way you described him and, and as much as you've talked about, hey, every guy on that team would run through a wall from him and they love him. Do you think Steve is still having fun doing this? I hope he is, but I, I, but I, it's got to be hard. Do you think he's enjoying himself? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think early on, it's definitely tough. Um, yeah. Because for Steve, too, it's like, this guy doesn't need a coach. What the, I mean, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. He can do yeah. whatever the hell he wants, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, early on, for sure. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's a, a tough balancing act and being able to manage all the personalities, like I said, and it's not just, you know, the superstar guys, you got to worry. I mean, the guy that's the, the last guy on the bench, he's pissed that he's not playing too. So being yeah, able to kind yeah. of, you know, handle every single personality. And then you're also dealing with, um, you know, the coaches, I mean, everybody has got, you know, uh, um, a little bit of an ego, a little bit of that competitive streak in them. Otherwise they wouldn't be in the positions that they're in, you know? And so being able to kind of, manage all that and get the best out of everybody definitely a difficult job and it takes time so i think early on definitely difficult but i would say or i hope now it's uh you know a little bit easier and a little bit more enjoyable for him <laughs> good you tell steve i just want him to have fun you know that's really as, <laughs> he wants you guys to have fun i want him to have fun yeah he needs now, to be having fun too for sure. exactly now joe you one of the other reasons uh why um you fit in i think so well for R2C2 is I know you're a Star Wars fan as well. Um are yeah. are you a are you a Marvel fan as also? I am, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. So actually so we're full disclosure the audience we're recording this Monday. It's going to release Thursday morning uh when our audience will be listening to this. Um but uh so tonight I'm actually doing the Marvel NBA broadcast. We're doing like Warriors Pelicans. Um Oh yeah. Uh yeah, which should, it should be pretty cool. Uh Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, we're 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 looking forward to it. Um but I'm curious. I thought this could be a way to to first ask you about Harden, KD, and Kyrie personality-wise. If you were going to choose any characters from either the Star Wars universe or the Marvel <laughs> universe to compare them to, who would each of your who would each of the big three be? Oh my! Oh wow, that's a good question, right? You thought about that. that. Like that? I did. I did. I thought about that one. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask this one, and I think Joe's going to like it. Oh man, um, man, that is tough. I would probably. I mean, it's hard to kind of like figure out the hierarchy within yeah, uh, the yeah. Marvel universe, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like so for put... so so yeah, so it doesn't even. So to yeah to to politically uh you know ease that aspect of things for you let's assume that <laughs> they're all on the same all hierarchy the same yeah. yeah it's just about like what characters do they would they like be or remind you of kind of you know yeah I would probably put like James um, maybe like Thor something like that mm, I think I like that's that. a good um, comparison for him that's a good one um, Kev. Kevin and Kyrie are a little bit tougher, you know? I feel like they would kind of be like a mix and match of uh, multiple uh, characters. Okay. Like, I would I would say Kai is probably like a mix of like, you probably have to take somebody from like Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe like Star-Lord, okay. something like that. Like somebody that's like kind okay. of stubborn, but like super talented. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe mix them in with like the Hulk, 
<laughs> okay, all right. All right, so Kyrie is Star-Lord and the Hulk. I like it. I like um, it. And then Kev, Kev would probably be a mix, too. And I'd probably put him, like, um, maybe, like, a mix of, like, he'd be like iron man i feel like he's like kind of like the go-to mm-hmm. for like all the 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 avengers you know but then also a little bit like dr strange oh nice i like it i like, like it. a mad scientist like yeah, exactly exactly yeah i can't wait to see if we're able to come up with something on social media that graphically <laughs> takes all of- <laughs> what, you just, <laughs> what you just came up with. You know, you, you bring up, you bring up, um, you know, that the, the personality of Kyrie and Joe, I know you've told me in the past, you've said, Hey, like I, we love him as a teammate. Obviously Kyrie from the outside is he's a very interesting guy because he's not, he, he's not conventional in any way. And that makes it very hard to define him. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, what, like for someone on the outside who like, you know, either, you know, doesn't get why he's missing games for personal reasons, or like, doesn't get, you know, doesn't get some of his commentary or whatever, but then also hears him and is like, wow, he's super thoughtful and he's super interesting and intelligent. And my gosh, he is, I mean, he's as talented as anybody you could ever watch on the basketball floor. It's just ridiculous watching him play. But how would you kind of like, what would you want them to know about what it's like being Kyrie's teammate, what he's like in that role uh, and playing with them? Well, I think as his teammate, and I know everybody on our team could attest to this too, we all love um, playing with him because, you know, night in and night out, he's going to he's gonna compete as hard as anybody. He's going to play... <sighs> 110 balls to the wall. Just he is like, the competitiveness in him that's unmatched across, across the board. Um, and sometimes almost to a fault, too. You know, like, you know, they're, they're, like even there's instances where uh, it's kind of funny, like, you know, last night, for example, um, you know, like somebody like Drew Holiday, who's like one of the premier defenders in the league. You know, he's probably he's matching up with him a lot. And, you know, a lot of the emphasis is, hey, like, trying to come and set screens on holiday to free up um time and um you know allow other guys to try and, and, and match up with them and sometimes kyle will be like no nah, fuck that like I'm, <laughs> I'm going i'm going at drew holiday i don't care what, what you guys say and you're like well we're trying to make life a little bit easier for you man like you know and but that's what you love about him too where like yeah he's like he doesn't give a shit honestly like he, yeah. he's just a competitor man and like he uh he plays hard every night and that's what you want out of a teammate like you know it's tough like a lot of times guys that are that talented um you know they can get by just kind of you know doing whatever and and it'll go unnoticed too but your teammates will probably notice it before anybody else did um but for him night in and night out to compete and and play hard you know that's what you want in your teammates and especially like you mentioned too i mean I think you could argue that Kai is, is easily one of the, the most talented guys to ever have a basketball in his hands, for sure. Yo, you can say whatever you want about Kyrie, but what you just said, that he plays hard every night, I'm a fan for life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, exactly. I, like, because like you said, that could go unnoticed by fans, that can go unnoticed by other people, but your teammates respect that and, and will mm-hmm. always respect you for that. And that's something that, you know, as an athlete, that's all I ever wanted was my my teammates' respect and, and yep. you know, love and admiration. So... In that aspect, like, I'm a, I'm a Kyrie fan for life after hearing that, for sure. Yeah, 
How about James? You know, he, uh, uh, Joe, it's weird. I, I feel like an idiot when I say this because I've, I know how great he is. I've called games forever. Like I've watched him forever. But watching him day in and day out with you guys before the hamstring injury, I was like, whoa, he's like way better than I realized. Like he impacts winning way more than I realized, you know? Um, and there's a reason why, you know, you've given him Thor's hammer. Why? What 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 has your kind of observations of playing with? Well, him I gave, him, I gave him Thor's him hammer too. I thought they have similar body composition. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think that's appropriate. <laughs> now, nah, James. James is incredible. Um, and another one of those guys where I think for, I don't really understand why, but you know, a lot of flack for how he played in the past. You know, sort of. Um, you know, the analytical yeah, thirty-seven thousand jab steps and then a yeah. shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> he does stuff, and you've probably seen this now that even since he's been with us, he does stuff. He plays the way that he plays to win games. Like he manipulates winning probably better than any player in the NBA besides somebody maybe like LeBron. You know, where they can they just have such a pulse on the game at all times. It's incredible, and that's one of those things where like. I don't like there. There have been so few guys that have ever come through the NBA that that or have that ability to do that. Um, but again, like James, you could put anybody out on the floor with him. He's gonna find figure out a way to win the game. He just he plays at his pace all the time, and the all game's the at his pace. So if he wants a fast break, then he's gonna run on a fast break. If he wants to slow it down and run in a half court set, then the game like the game is always at his pace. Like like you said, where. You know, he can see different things and like his basketball IQ is super high, but like the pace of the game is always where he is. You know what I'm saying? Like if he's running up and down then the pace of the game is going to be running up and down. If he's chilling tonight, then it's going to be a lot of half court sets. Like it's just it's amazing to see him play that way with you guys. Like obviously when he's playing with the Rockets, it's like like Ryan said, it's a bunch of jab sets, a bunch of dribbles and he's going to put up a shot. But now to be able to see him facilitate, get you open shots, get KD open shots and like really be playing a point guard position. Is it's, it's unreal to watch him, what he's doing right now. It's crazy. Yeah, it is incredible. And obviously, you know, we've missed him a lot um, uh, here since he's been out. But when he was playing and some of the stuff that he was able to do, um, you know, come out. And a lot of times, too, it'll be early. Like, he knows, you know, getting guys touches early in the game is going to have a positive impact later on, you know. And, and he, you know, there'll be times where you look up after the first quarter, he might only have, you know, one, two points, but he'll have 10 assists. You know, he's getting getting guys involved. Um, and then he's just so talented where end of the game, he has that ability to take over at any point. Joe, let's get you in trouble. When's James coming back? <laughs> do, do you feel do, do you feel confident you'll see him at some point on this journey? Um, I hope so. But yeah. You never know. And like we were talking about earlier, you know, only seven regular season games left. Obviously, yeah. there is an importance to us to finish out the right way um, and, uh, you know, solidify. We're obviously competing for that number one spot. We want to solidify the number one spot, um, but we're not going to put people's health in the way of that. You know, I think at the end of the day, the the long run and the second season, the playoff run is definitely the most important. And you got to have full health um, when you're going into that. Amen, dude. All right. So the last one on, on, on just the big three, and then we'll move off that Durant. 
what's he like as a dude to play? Like I, I pictured. It's funny. I pictured Durant for. I, I picture him as like a, a, a godfather, like sitting behind the desk, like just chill. Why he's chill is up to him, but he's just chill behind the desk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and 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 people walking in him very calmly, just like directing traffic, like without without getting too emotional. This is how I picture Kevin. <laughs> no, I mean. You're pretty, pretty close to accurate there. I mean, he definitely, he's one of those guys where he just loves basketball so much where, mm. you know, I remember, um, a, f- a few years ago, I was listening to like a Woj podcast and they were talking about Andre Miller and Andre Miller would like go and like hoop at like the, like YMCA's and like people would see him there and be like, holy shit, it's, it's Andre Miller <laughs> over there like playing like what the hell? And like Andre was just like, yeah, man, I just like wherever I can go and play, like, I'm just going to go and hoop and like. That is like Kevin to a T, you know, he just wants to play all like, he just loves basketball so much. Um, you know, you like, this is like what he was born to do basically, you know, and he gets so much joy and fulfillment competing and playing every night. Um, you know, I think that is why he's been able to have the success he's had amongst, you know, a lot of other stuff. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to, to kind of see that, just to see that love of the game. And, uh, you know, he is uh, obviously sort of a unicorn in terms of, you know, last night we were talking about it, just like guys on the team too, where I don't, they don't even let you uh, create a player in 2K like him anymore, you know, because he's so unfair. That's great. That's great. What's it like, Joe? I mean, you guys, by the time this airs, you'll have played your second game, this little two-game set against Milwaukee. Um but the first game, you guys lost, but it was a great game. I mean, it was a great yeah. basketball game. It was so entertaining. How intense do these matchups feel? Uh, they definitely have a playoff intensity to them. I think because you know that, you know, the the, the chances of, of, of meeting again are fairly high. And so, you you know, this is sort of, uh, you know, this is a time to kind of let each other know, you know, what you're about. And, um, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, – Obviously, we're we're here end of the regular season, jockeying for position, both teams along with Philly. But it is sort of like, uh, hey, we we do know that we're at some point we we might meet again. Joe, I know we got to let you run in a minute to a team meeting, but I'm wondering for you when you think back to the growth, the journey that we were talking about earlier. What's the you know what if you were saying like this is this was like the key or these were the keys to to me getting better, you know, like this. It, this is where I really took a leap or working on this, or, you know, you mentioned working with Jordan, not what, what are the things that you think like, yeah, th- this is really how I took this step. And this is how I took this step to become a guy who, you know, okay, not only are you now an outstanding NBA player and an established consistent piece, you know, you also have changed your life economically as well. Right. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you just, you just got a, a very, you know, lucrative four year deal well earned. Um, but what what kind of if you think back you're like yeah this is this was so important to my development. Um, you know, obviously it's you know for me specifically focusing on the stuff that I knew was going to allow me to have success. So obviously my my strength shooting, continuing to optimize that, figuring out how to you know be more aggressive in games stuff like that but i think at the end of the day it was a lot of it was just the the stuff outside of the court though too uh you know i remember kenny early on and jo talking about developing you know 
consistent habits and then being deliberate in my practice. So it was like every day that we were going into work, it wasn't like you wouldn't come in and watch me work and be like, oh, like he's, you know, he's been in for an hour taking whatever X amount of shots. It was like, this guy is is working like a madman. Like he doesn't have a job, you know, sort of a deal. And it was real specific though, too. It was always like, all right, what do I, what do I do in the games? Where are my positions that I'm going to be in? And then basically just sort of read and react live scenarios. And that's how I still practice now, but it's how I started practicing and did my offseason work when I got to the, the Nets five years ago. And so it's sort of been like this like process all the way through. And the way, the best way I could describe it is like every day that I would go in and get that kind of work in, it was like, I kind of put like a, a brick uh, of a house, you know? And then like the next day I would go again and I put another brick and then I just kind of like over time slowly just like built up. But it's like, I felt myself getting better because of the work that I was putting in because I had good uh, habits that I did consistently, but my practice was done deliberately. It wasn't just like no mistake. You know, there's like that John Wooden quote, don't mistake activity for achievement. It wasn't like any sort of fluff or bullshit. Like when I was going in and working, it was like, I was putting good work in and it might've been shorter amount of time. But like everything that I did was, was live at game speed and was putting me in the best position to have success when the games did come around. That's great. Don't I love go that. The, don't, don't go in the gym, put up 400 jumpers just to put up 400 jumpers. Like yeah, exactly. go in there and get your work in. And yeah, I love that. Yeah, 100%. Yep. There's a great quote. Or David Cohn uses the phrase eyewash. Like that's just eyewash. You know, if you're just like going yeah. in for the work, you know, no, like get get your work done. Joe, I feel like as it, first of all, we could talk to you forever. We haven't even, di- you know, dive into what a foodie you are. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I'm just curious, uh, you know, I didn't ask you, what Avenger or Star Wars character would you be? I mean, we have to ask you who you would, who you would, uh, you know, give yourself to character-wise since you are assigning your teammates. I know, you're, well, you're I was kind of hoping you weren't going to ask me that I, I, I locked myself up. I gave... Uh, uh, Kevin and Kai multiple comparisons of like, <laughs> you know, I should have saved one for, for myself. <laughs> what about like, you could be, it's funny. Cause I used at one point on the broadcast, I used Hawkeye for Harden just because oh, of yeah. his like passing and that, but you could be Hawkeye. Cause we could also say, cause you're shooting, you're shooting, you know? Yeah. 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 I could take that yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, and hell I also, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you, you could be, you could be Hawkeye Harris instead. That's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Which and I think like Hawkeye has like a leadership quality to him, which you have as well. So I feel like I feel like it would work, you know? Yeah, you know? I would definitely take that. Right, I would, you know, I put, put put Hawkeye, maybe even mixed in with um, uh, Scarlett Johansson's uh, character, uh, Black yeah. Widow. Black Widow. Black yeah. Widow. Yeah. 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 I like that, man. Hey, anytime you can mix in with Scarlett Johansson, there's nothing wrong with that. I think <laughs> I think I think we're all with that. Uh, Joe, uh, I know you. I, I know you have a team meeting, so we want to let you run. Uh, but this was great, man. Thank you for doing yeah. this so much. No, I appreciate and you of, guys, man. And of course, I didn't do this once we started recording, but I have to do it for the camera. I got my Joey Buckets oh, T-shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> DJ DJ will be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, let DJ know. It's getting rocked. Shout out to Joe Cuomo, outstanding equipment manager, uh, for uh, oh, hooking man. me up with that. I love it. But, Joe, enjoy the journey, man. Good luck. And Good just luck. remember, usually the broadcasters get rings as well, so no pressure. <laughs> anymore, <right? laughs> you ain't getting no fucking ring, guys. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs>
Ye I'm gonna do everything I can. Let me tell you, sir. <laughs> but go, go uh, enjoy. Ha ha have a good time tomorrow night. It should be a fun game, Joe, and enjoy the rest All of the right, journey, man. Good luck. No, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. You know, see. Joe got to talk about which Marvel characters or Star Wars characters <laughs> Kyrie, KD, and Harden would be. He was really good, too. He, he, he was. He was great on it. He's a, he's into all the stuff we're into. Um, but I, I don't know if I've ever asked you. Like, if you were going to say, like, you're like this character, who would you pick? The Hulk, for sure. Oh, yeah. You would be for like sure. the Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Like if you flip that switch and get real angry, look out. In two seconds, it could but happen. Otherwise, you're the you're this nice, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a nerd. Kind nerd. Yeah, <laughs> I like that, man. You really are the Hulk. It really is, though. You really are the Hulk. Who do you think? I I was trying to think of mine, and I couldn't. I didn't know, man. Like, I would love. Like sometimes I have. Like Holly Rowe calls me her Yoda because I love like imparting wisdom and stuff. But then sometimes I also think like. I have a hint of the whininess of Anakin or Luke Skywalker at times. <laughs> and, then, and then I think, no, but I kind of like to, I have the moral compass of Obi-Wan. I like to think, I don't know. But then if Ooh. I went Marvel character, so. I'm yeah, trying, like a, I'm, I, 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 I'm thinking of a Marvel character. Like maybe. I, I, I like the Luke reference though um, yeah. for Star Wars. But I, I can't think of a Marvel character. Yeah, maybe maybe a little Hawkeye-ish, maybe like just in like a. Nah, I like, like I like Hawkeye for Joe. Yeah, like I that like was Hawkeye that was Joe that too. was perfect for Joe. I like Hawkeye for Joe too. I gotta figure that. Maybe he I'll shocked that me out. with the Black Widow, but I mean, I, you oh, know, I didn't. I didn't think you <laughs> Dude, I'm excited for that movie to come out on Disney Plus, man. Yeah, me too. I gotta think of a. I gotta think of a Marvel character. Yeah, you think of one for me. You think yeah, of one for me. For sure. And you guys can as well. Tweet at us, at R2C2. Follow us on Instagram, at R2C2. Got to check out the stuff on our Instagram page. It's terrific. Um, and you guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. Two episodes this week. If you didn't hear our special May the 4th Star Wars episode, I'm telling you, as Sadie Zillow, our coordinating producer, can attest to, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, you're going to enjoy that app. It's going to make you want to watch. So check it out. Thank you for listening to this episode. Big thanks to our producers, Sadie Zillow and Bobby Wagner. They're outstanding what they do, and they make our lives so much easier, and we love them. And uh, remember, tell everybody you know about R2C2 with new episodes every Thursday and bonus episodes as well. Peace. Peace.